Good morning. Can you hear me at the back? Can you hear me? I have a voice. Um, well, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that you are our God. Uh, you are a God who cares. Uh, Lord, you care about our souls. We pray this morning that, Lord, even as you encourage us through your word, I pray that, Father, may your name be glorified. You are a holy God. You seek and require holiness from us. Be with us. Open our spiritual ears that we may hear what you have to say. We commit our time into your hands. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Saving God with purity and fear. As we look at the fifth chapter of the book of Acts, it is important that we recall what has taken place in the previous chapter. The information of chapter 4 uh, is going to be contrasted with the story told in chapter 5. Remember in chapter 4 uh, that Peter and John were arrested for preaching Jesus in the temple complex. However, the Sanhedrin could not hold Peter and John over because a notable, undeniable miracle had taken place and all the people were praising God. So that's the backdrop of chapter 5. And after threatening Peter and John, the Sanhedrin let them go where they returned to their own company. The company prayed for boldness and continued to have all things in common, distributing their goods and possessions to any believer who had need. Uh, this fellowship and devotion to one another was exemplified in a man named Joseph, or Joseph, whom the apostles renamed Son of Encouragement, uh, or Barnabas. So as chapter 4 closes, we see Barnabas saw the field that he owned. He was not the first to sell. Uh, we are told uh, verses previous, you know, before Barnabas, it was a, a custom. From time to time, people would sell and bring those proceeds uh, at the you know, feet of the apostles. So Barnabas saw the field that he owned, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Notice that chapter 5 begins with the word but in the English Standard Version. He said, the group of believers had all things in common are encouraging one another and selling their goods to help with the needs of other believers. But now we come across a husband and wife named Ananias, and uh, um, we will meet in spelling, Sapphira or Sapphira, if you are Bemba. Uh, God demands that personal holiness characterize his people when they come before him. And he has communicated that demand in some pretty start, startling ways 
Uh, we'll, I want to look at three of those words before we look at the story of Ananias. We'll go to the Old Testament. We'll just preview uh, the three stories to help us that we serve a God who does not change. You know, in Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 to 3, we have a story of uh, Nebuch and uh, Abayu. The beginning of Leviticus is God's commands about how the sacrifices were to pre pre presented and offered. So we see Nedab and Abayu come before the Lord and offer unauthorized fire before the Lord because they offered fire which was not commanded. Fire came from the Lord and consumed them. Now, we notice that the reason why this happened, as Moses gives the explanation in Leviticus 10 verse 3, he says, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. And second, they involve a sin that might have seemed small and harmless, uh, but God, in his own words, uh, he punished. If men were making the rules about holiness, they never would have called it great sin worthy of divine administration of the death penalty. But we see these people, they never kept the word of God. There was an instruction, it was only God. But they thought they had power and authorized uh, this, uh, you know, uh, authorized the fire to come down. This morning, as we look at Acts chapter 5, the other story is, uh, is Korah. Uh, you know, Korah in the Old Testament. Korah and 250 Israelite leaders, Numbers chapter 16, uh, verses 1 to 35. Uh, we read about Korah and some of the Israelite leaders who are upset that Moses and Aaron are in charge. They rebuke Moses saying that he has gone too far by exhorting himself above the whole assembly. We see the charge again in chapter 16 verse 13 in Numbers. And the people said, do you also have to appoint yourself as ruler over us? Now, who had appointed Moses as their leader? God had done so. So we see uh, this is about leadership. And uh, uh, people are thinking, oh, you know, Moses and Aaron, they are getting the, the fame. Even us, we want to lead. Korah and the leaders were complaining that they were not in charge. They wanted the glory that they felt Moses and Aaron were receiving as the leaders of the assembly. In verses 31 to 35, God validates that Moses and Aaron were his chosen people to lead them through the wilderness to the land of Canaan. The desire for the glory from men got in the way. 
And the punishment was very simple. The earth opened and it swallowed them, every one of them, and it closed back. Because of complaining, they wanted to lead. Another story, Uzzah, Second uh, Samuel chapter 6, verses 3 to 8, even when we have good intentions, when we do not do as God has commanded, we are seizing the power and glory of God and attempting to place it upon ourselves. Uzzah had excellent intentions of preventing the ark of the covenant from falling of the cart. But God had commanded that no one was allowed to touch the ark and only the sons of Kohath could touch the paws that carry the ark. God struck Uzzah dead for touching the ark of God against the command of God. God takes his commands seriously. God expects us to keep his commands and when we do not, we are claiming glory for ourselves. Two things which impresses me uh, about these kinds of stories. First, they occur at a time, it seems to me, when God was allowing a new thing to be established. It may have been at the beginning of worship in the tabernacle, or at the entry into the promised land, or as the ark was being established in Jerusalem, but it was a new thing that was happening. And I believe God wanted at the beginning of that new thing to make it very clear that he demanded holiness in his people. And second, they involve a sin that might seem very small and harmless in the sight of men. If men were making the rules about holiness, they never would have called a great sin. So we see uh, in these stories, God is sending a message is a God of holiness. And this morning as we look at chapter 5 of the book of Acts, it's there that we find another such story. It's a story that involves the beginning of a new work of God. That is the church of Jesus Christ on earth. It also involves a sin that would seem in the sight of men to be a small thing. Just keeping back what is yours. But it establishes that to us that God, after all those years, still had not compromised his standard of personal holiness on the part of his people. When they gather together before him, it was true in the time of the old covenant. It was true also in the new covenant. To fully appreciate this story, we have looked at what preceded it. The Lord Jesus had been raised from the dead and had ascended to the Father and the Holy Spirit had been and was moving upon the people of God in a very powerful way. People were witnessing to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and great grace, the Bible tells us, was upon them all. And all Christians were loving one another and with one heart and soul they didn't consider that the things they possessed were their own, but willingly sold lands and houses 
and brought the proceeds to the feet of the apostles to be distributed to the poor and needy among them. What a witness it would have been to the Lord Jesus Christ if the world saw us doing such things today. We are told that the grace of God was demonstrated in a marvelous way in their lives and the grace of God is still with us. Now there was a particular couple, married couple in the church, Ananias and Sapphira by name, and they saw this great act and I believe were also greatly moved by it. They were even inspired by it. Also sell a piece of land and which they owned and give part of the proceeds. But no, the thing that they did involved a great sin on their part. Perhaps not so much in the eyes of men, but most certainly in the eyes of the most holy God in whose church their sin was committed. Let's get a closer look at it. The sin in verses 1 to 4. It reads, by a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, saw the possession, and he kept back of their proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Think of, you know, imagining the, this story. Uh, what I'm saying is not inspired. I'm just imagining. Here is a couple. They are at home, they are inspired of what is going on, and they go, oh, wait a minute. As we have land as well, we can sell and give to the Lord. And as they talked about, you know, how they will sell and, you know, giving to the Lord, they start thinking, oh, wait a minute, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Now that I think about it, how can we give, let's just give part of it. Just a little bit. After all, this is our, our land. Certainly, uh, the money was theirs. But as they were thinking of that, selling the land, remember there was a precedent when we read in chapter 4, everyone who sold they brought everything. There was no like taxes or every, it was gross. It wasn't part. So there was really no reason why uh, they would have given it all or not give it. After all, it's, that, it's theirs. But let's not give it all. Let's give just a little bit. And here is where sin crept in. Ananias thought about it and said, well, who needs to know all the details? In fact, as we imagine, no one knows how much we get. So whatever I drop in the offering bag, <coughs> hello, no one knows. Mr. Yenga will just count and say, time. Cross, no one knows. You just throw in. And you are okay. 
After all, I'm giving. This is the way it was with them. After all, they are giving. They don't need to know the real amount of the sale or that, you know, we kept a portion of it back. Look at this way. They win. And God was sending a message to them to say, no, you need to be honest. After all, this was theirs. But as they came to the apostles, you know, I want to be reminded, you know, that um, you think about it for us today. Have you ever sung that song, great hymn, right in time with everyone else in the church that says, all to Jesus I surrender all. All to him I freely give. Have you sung that song? Do you mean it? Really you surrender all? Everything? Maybe you surrender part. I don't know whether we surrender it all. Because if we did, this would be very different. But you know, when you are singing, you know, you can't just keep quiet. You, know, you are standing up, you are singing, you need to open your mouth. You know, let someone know that there's, you know, you are singing, you are participating. But deep down, maybe that's not what you are saying. You are saying, Lord, mm, I'll surrender mm, Sunday morning only. Or to Jesus. Sunday morning. Uh, Jesus, uh, I surrender my income. Uh, no, 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 no. Just a little bit. You know, 100 kwacha per week or 50 kwacha. You know, that would do. No one will know. But we keep singing. There's another hymn that says, Take my life and let it be. Consecrated, Lord, to thee. Really? Do we mean it? Take my life and let it be? Consecrated, Lord, to thee? But knowing that you really don't mean it to consecrate your, your whole life to him. Sometimes we can't sing what's really, you know, in our hearts. Because there aren't any hymns in the hymn that say, a little bit to Jesus I surrender. But not the whole thing, or take a tenth of my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. But I'm keeping the other nine tenths for me. But we certainly don't want people to know that that's really what is in our hearts. And so we sing a lie. Because really, we don't mean it to take our lives and let it be. We don't mean it. I surrender all, all my burdens, my difficulties, what I go through. I surrender all. Think of it. Have you ever prayed a prayer in church that was just a bit more flowering and spiritual sounding than usual? Partly to be heard by God, but also partly to be well thought of by the other saints that heard it. Wow! 
That man, that woman can pray. Did you hear the theology packed in the prayer? Or have you done a charitable act for someone else in secret, but with the hopes that the left hand will find out what the right hand has? Oh yeah, they gave. Oh yes, my brother, I did. The sin of Ananas and Sapphira, the sin of hypocrisy and of lying to the Holy Spirit was very great before God. I don't condemn them because we are in it. I don't condemn them. To some degree or some form or another, we are frequently doing that. Look at what happened while they, brought, while they brought the money to the feet of the apostles. Perhaps they were expecting to hear people praise them and say the things about them that they said about Barnabas. And yet, the Bible says, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep part of the price of the land for yourself while it remained was it not your own and after it was sold was it not your own control in your own control why have you conceived this thing in your heart you have not lied to men but to God now how did Peter know this I believe that the only way he could have known was that it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Others, maybe they didn't know. And look at the thing that he said about what Ananias had done. First he said that he did not lie to the apostles, but in reality to the Holy Spirit himself. Peter said that they lied to the Holy Spirit and then said, you have not lied to men but to God. In this, by the way, Peter was affirming the Trinity. You lie to the Lord, you lie to, the, to God, you lie to the Holy Spirit. While Ananias thought he was pulling one over on the apostles, he was really seeking to lie to a divine person who knew his every thought and his every motive. We might not see each other what we do and the things we plan, but I want you to know that God sees your heart. He sees your heart. We might pretend that we are so spiritual. We are doing it. But God sees your heart. And second notice where this evil action originated. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? What a dreadful revelation. In his act of hypocrisy, Ananias was in reality allowing himself to be an instrument of the devil. Who, as Jesus tells us, is the father of all lies. So when you lie, basically you are in accord with the devil, the father of all lies. 
you stop and think for a moment of how much damage has been done to the cause of Christ throughout the church because of hypocrisy. I've heard many people say, and perhaps you have heard them too, that they don't go to church because it's full of what? Hypocrites. There is nothing more distasteful to thinking unbelievers that professing Christians who pretend to be something they are not. You think about it, there are so many Christians that they see, they are watching you. Hearing the things you say, as the hymnist would say. They watch us, they, our neighbors know. Our students, they know where we work. Your workmates, they know. And some of them, I've heard some, they say, if that one goes to heaven, I'm going to. I'll be there as well because I know that one. He's a hypocrite. She's a hypocrite. So we have non-believers out there. They are shunning away from being at church because they know full of hypocrites. No wonder the devil was involved. I think that the devil has accomplished more harm to the cause of Christ by sponsoring hypocrisy. He's selling well. He's doing well on the Wall Street Journal. No wonder the enemy sought to introduce hypocrisy into the church at the very beginning of his story through Ananias. And no wonder God took immediate and startling action to protect the holiness of his church. This leads us to consider the judgment. We have seen the sin, the judgment. The Bible tells us, then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out and buried him. That was a quick one. Think about it. And unfortunately, there was no SMS. Because the wife was not there. In today's world, you say, quickly, don't lie when you come here. <laughs> but there was nothing like that, no SMS. The husband has been buried. Three hours has gone. The judgment. I've heard some who criticize Peter for this, but I'm not sure why they do or even why they think that they can. Peter, it doesn't seem to me really uh, had any idea that Ananias was about to fall over dead. Think of it. This is the first time. And what's more, I even hear of people who criticize God. You know, they say that God was being too harsh. He's very harsh. Such criticism, it seems to me, missed the point badly. God was seeking to communicate at the very beginning of his church that he himself is an unspeakably holy God and that he does not tolerate sin in his presence, and that he expects personal holiness on the part of the people who come before him. 
God administers a strong judgment on this occasion. So the Bible tells us that the young men arose, wrapped up Ananias' body, and immediately took it out, probably to one of the nearby hillside tombs, and buried him. I'm sure that the young men were called in part because they were more physically capable maybe, but I suspect that it was also to follow up the pattern given in the 10th chapter of Leviticus because there when Nadab and Abihu died before the Lord that Moses called for his cousins to go and bury them. But I also can't help but wonder if Peter may have called young men to come and do this difficult task because of the lifelong impression it would have made on them. We will never know. But that was the judgment. Well, there is a judgment repeated, verses 7 to 10. When Sapphira was was during all this time is, is something we are not told. You know, perhaps she was out doing some kind of business with the proceeds. Who knows? They, had, they, they were loaded. They had money. It's amazing when people have money. Their true colors come. Eh? <laughs> Their true colors come. They order five pieces, you know, you know, just do, just, just buy. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had, had happened. She just entered. I don't know whether when she entered the room, it was quiet. I don't know whether, you know, you know, you know people were just looking at her. I think she began to ask maybe, this is just my imagination, is everything all right here? The Bible tells that Peter answered her. It may have been that when she walked in, she saw Peter and the others standing where Ananias' money had been laid before the feet of the apostles and saw them staring at her in horror. It may be that she had a look on her face that said, what? And that look demanded to be answered. The Bible tells us, then Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. Amazing when husband and wife connive. It's amazing the things which happen, eh? You know, uh, we have all these taboos, you know, in our country. Uh, we some kind of avoid them, but they are there, you know. Uh, you know, whatever the man goes through, they say, you know, just don't talk about it, you know. Uh, the child is born, he has a different head, and, you know, you know the parents say, no, no, shh, don't talk about it. This is your child, this is your child. And the husband says, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> there's, there's this secretive culture. And she said, yes, for so much. That's a lie. Because everyone who was selling before then 
whatever amount they sold for, for that land, they brought the whole amount. And Peter is just clarifying, you sold it for so much? And she said, yes. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed, breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. Up to now, in the Jewish custom, burials are very easy. No caskets, no coffins. It's the same here. It didn't change. They just wrap you. God. It's us now who have difficulties of caskets. See how much is this? You know, uh, coffins. What type of coffin? It was this made in South Africa. I want something from USA. <laughs> For them, it was easy. And this was their custom. Up to now, the Jewish, that's the way they bury. They bury their leaders just like that. Lessen the cost. Let the one who is alive get the money. That's not inspired. So I don't think Peter's words to her that the young men would carry her out was so much a sentence of death. The fact that this judgment also fell on Sapphira, as it had on Ananias, drove the point home dramatically and powerfully to the church. It was as if God were giving a double warning. But I also believe that it is, it's meant to communicate for us, or to us, that not only is hypocrisy a great sin in the sight of God, it is also equally a sin to conspire with hypocrisy. Not only do those who live hypocritically lie to the Holy Spirit, but those who support them in their hypocrisy also join in that lie and in the guilt of sin. I've often wondered about those young men. You know, when I was reading this scripture, I'm going, these young men, this had been a day in church they would never forget. And I even wonder after they had buried Sapphira next to her husband, if they were more than just a little bit hesitant to come back to the church, not knowing that what they would find next. You think about it. If this was happening here at Ndola Baptist Church, who would have sent arms and ideal outside just in case someone might lie here. <laughs> so the, those guys will be somewhere outside. So we have seen the sin which Ananias and Sapphira committed. We have seen the first judgment and the second judgment. Now we go to the consequences, verses 11 to 16. One aspect of the consequences is taught to us in verse 11. He says, so great fear came upon all the church, upon all who heard these things. They were so fearful. And notice that, whereas before it was upon all those who heard these things, that great fear fell in verse 5, 
Now it was upon all the church and upon all who heard these things that it now fell. Both those outside the church and those inside the church shared the common sense of the dreadful holiness of the great Lord Jesus Christ who was worshipped in it. That fear of God is a powerful antidote. If I may say so, to hypocrisy. But that's not all. The sin of hypocrisy having been exposed and dealt with, we go to read of the power of the church's witness and ministry in the world uh, we read. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. As a result of all those things which happened and transpired. They were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. That's what scripture says. But, you know, if you go more, yet none of the rest dared join them. They were afraid. You know, those men, they are drunk, cooled. I mean, you don't go near them. These are, they've surrendered it all to Jesus. They've surrendered it all to Jesus. They've left their houses. They've left their families. And they are true followers of Jesus. And they were all with one accord. But the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches. That at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. That was the message. These people were serious. If I may ask, are we serious with the Lord? Truly is he in our hearts to a place where we can say, I surrender it all to him? There are lessons to be learned, to be learned in this. I quote John Piper, he has four lessons which I think are appropriate for this passage. What was wrong with Ananias and Sapphira? The first one, he says, they loved their money. They loved their money. They made the sale, they looked at all that cash, and they couldn't bear the thought of giving it all away. So they kept some back. The love of money. You know, money in itself is not sinful. In fact, we need more business people who can make money. There's one non-believer who impresses me. I'm seeing him as non-believer, but he might be a believer. He's a billionaire. Warren Buffett. Billionaire. Warren Buffett, I hear, he drives an old, old Cadillac. 
car. Very odd. It doesn't change every year. And he goes to the same hamburger place to buy his hamburger for lunch. I don't know about you. If you had the a million dollars in your hands, <laughs> wouldn't you change? You know, as the, the Pentecostal thing, you know, the Africa, you know, and uh, <laughs> I mean, it's like, ah, uh, no, 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 ah, uh, you know, uh, I've just stopped going to these traditional churches. Uh, now I'm, I just go to Dollar Baptist. You know, you just need to pray for one hour. I'm a busy person. But the love of money, well, you know, sometimes the poor people would say, <laughs> do you know what it means to, to love money? It means you love the cash as well as human resource. You place your uncle really as someone, this is your money. You know, in families, we have families where they say, you know, don't go there, you know. But then they want to go there and get what they want to get. And they say, no, the others just remain where you are. Human resource. You know, Jeremiah says, Kest is a man who put his trust in a man. It's not me who wrote when you look at a person and then you figure them out and say, you know what, what do I say? This is the man, you know, who can give me this, you know, tomorrow. This is the one. So you place that man. That's the love of money, by the way. Because your trust is not in God. You are worshipping that human being and God says, I cannot be worshipped. He says that you choose God or mammon. The love of money. And sometimes we keep back what belongs to the Lord. We know for sure this belongs to the Lord. You go, ah, uh, you know, uh, if all of us gave, the, gave a tent here, we'd build Hope Baptist Church just like that. And someone might say, ah, but in a, no, you have a screwdriver at home. You have something. And God commands that you bring something to him, even to the poor people. He did command. No one shall come to me empty-handed. The love of man. You pile up, you pile up. I like what, you know, what John Piper says. You know, I was watching him. He says, I don't want to die with so much cash in my bank account. That would be shame on me. Today, good to die with 10 houses out there. <laughs> Just for you. Well, I don't want to open the Pandora's box. I'll leave it at that. They loved their money. Ananias and Sapphira. Second, they wanted to look more generous than they really were. They wanted the apostles to think that they were like Barnabas. Perhaps they wanted the external religious approval. 
They not only loved money, they loved the praise of men. The two almost always go together. Love of money, the love, you know, the praise of men. Ava, ema spirituals ava. The way they've given. These are the men, the women we need in this church. Sometimes we appear to be more generous, but really, are we? Are we more generous? The third, they lied. Verses 3 and 4. To cover their covetousness and to give the impression of generosity, they lied. If you love possessions and you love the praise of men, your love for truth will dissolve into deception and fraud. That's the meaning of hypocrisy. They lied. And lies for us now in Zambia, it's just part of who we are. It's part of who we are. You go to the bank, you want a loan, because you know you have 10 acres of land you want to farm. The moment you get, you buy a ticket, you go to Dubai, come back with a Benz or come back with a car, and the bank is waiting for their money. We borrow from the bank. We don't do the things we want to. You know, we wrote there. It's a lie in written form. No, yeah, this is for the farm. Oh, this is for the house. How many people have lied? Think about it. Lies for us now are just part of who we are. In fact, it doesn't if we don't we don't even wink. We just tell it with a straight face. Where were you yesterday? You know, you know the way it is. You know, this winter, lie. Liar, liar, pants on fire. You are lying. How many lies are there combined? It's the order of the day. The fourth one, and this is always comes with hypocrisy, they discredited the Holy Spirit. Today, the fear of our God is blown out. The fear of the Holy Spirit is blown away. Verse 3 says, they lied to the Holy Spirit. Verse 4 says, they lied not to man but to God. Verse 9 says, they tempted the Lord. The whole trinity. You lie to the Holy Spirit, you lie to God, you tempt the Lord. They loved their money. They wanted to look more generous than they really were. They lied, you know. And on top of that, they discredited the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, when I was in the Catholic Church, you know, the elders would say, Atukwimbakati, so I would ask, I said, what does that mean? You no, know, you young man, you know, these young men who are coming up, you can do things here, but so long God is, you know, you just mix God somewhere. 
Don't, don't make it difficult for us. So I was asking a question of uh, Adam and Eve, you know, so innocent, I said, but this fruit, you know, what happened, you know, they said, you young man, if I give you a glass, I said, yeah, and you break it, that's your problem. I said, but you haven't answered my question. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's tradition. Now we can laugh, you know, at the Catholics, uh, you know, certain things they do. Even as we have, did you know that we, we do have? You look at when, the, you know, the weddings are happening. You know, the traditions which we keep. In fact, now it's getting advanced. It's so advanced that, you know, us who are BC people, odd, we are lost in these things. You know, you go to a reception. We never used to dance like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's part of the, the culture, not culture, culture. I mean, if people want to do it that way. If you disobey, they say, ah, where, where are you from? Can't you see the tradition? There are so many traditions we imbibe right here. When you look at them and you compare with the scripture, uh, the scripture says, no, that's your tradition. God works powerfully through a church of people who are real before him. If we are real before him, God will do wonders. It's not about the strategy of how to witness to people. It's not the theology of missions. There is a simple theology. It's about preaching the word of God. And being real before him, people will come. Because God is the one who brings people. As we see the apostles were preaching, they were just preaching Jesus crucified, the same message. But people came. He has shown us very clearly in the very beginning stages of the history of his church, God will not tolerate unholiness. This has led me to ask myself often, why is it that more of us do not drop dead in church. Why is in St. Anne and I deal so busy every Sunday that they can grow their businesses, they are packed in parking lot because people drop everywhere. They should be there for Sunday morning pickup. <laughs> Think about it. Why are not people dropping? I can't think of any reason other than God's grace. In them, God's grace. It is only by his mess that we don't all suffer what Ananias and Sapphira suffered. You know, if this was happening here, there would be very few people coming to church. You get paid, you are so scared to come to church. <laughs> because as soon as you come, you just see St. Anne's and I deal packed. <laughs> you think about it. 
But now we are not scared. God's grace. But we serve a holy God. He will never compromise. Well, God's grace is not cheap. Maybe some of us, we are part of what Jesus said when the apostles were so furious with these other people who are not doing the things. He says, no, 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 don't, don't, you know, let them be together until the last day. You know, in other words, we'll all be together. We'll be singing the same songs, we'll be doing the same things, visiting the sick and everyone else, but not all are Christians. Not everyone has surrendered their lives to Jesus. Not everyone can say, take my life and let it be consecrated to you, Lord. There are not many. No wonder it says, you know, narrow is the gate for those whom God has called and wider is the gate for those who are going somewhere. We need to be real before God and real before each other. Not to lie. You know, there's another lie. Uh, you might not have anything at home. And when we are greeting each other, says, oh, how is it? How is it? Oh, no, that's good. And, you know, I'm doing well. No, just doing well, praying and everything else. The lie is, you don't want to share. There's this pride about us. You know, like in the olden days, you know, my older brother and everyone else, they would make sure I don't eat from someone's home. Even if you are, you are looking at your home, there is nothing. There is only salt and meat in you. But when you look at your neighbors, they are eating something. You want to go there. They say, no, no, no. I don't want other people to know that we don't have. You know, you don't eat from someone else. You eat here. We are not real. We are not real to one another. You know, where we can pour our heart to one another and say, this is who I am. As we say, we are now dancers. You know, when you put on that mask, those people can dance like hell. And once they remove that, you will not know them, that these people dance. You know, I met, you know, one priest you know, um, he was from an Anglican church, and um, I won't mention the names and everything else. I mean, we are doing braai, we are eating, and everything else. This priest was so drunk. I was saying things and all kinds of things, and uh, so I'm going, I didn't know that he's a priest. Eh? I, I, in my heart of heart, I said, wow, this non-believer. <laughs> What happened to him? Then on Sunday we go to church. I see him in his robe. He's a priest. He's so holy in France. I'm thinking to myself, is this the way we need? This is now dancer. We become imposters. We facade. You know, this is, we, we show other people, this is the way we are. Friends, we need to be real to each other. Be real before the Lord. He has shown us how he feels about hypocrisy in his holy house. And has shown it to us powerfully in the story of Ananias and Sapphira. We have to plead here. 
will you attend men's meeting? Will you attend men's meeting? We plead. Will you ladies come to the camp? We plead. It's like no one hears. In other words, we have all this stuff and other things which we do. We don't regard these things as, you know, something we need to do. So we have to talk to men. SMS goes out. Click, delete. But God has shown his grace for us. It's a time. You know, the scripture says when the, the number of Gentiles has gone in, it's equal. There's a, there's, a, there's a number. When that is done, that's it, friends. For those whom he has called and elected, when that, once they come in, the rest, there is no crying out to him. God cleanse us individually and purify each one of us who profess his name. That is my prayer. May he cleanse us, our thoughts. And sometimes our thoughts, because we don't put in the word of God, it's very hard to meditate. What are you going to meditate on? You've been meditating on relish. What type of relish? You know, I have never done this. Why? Because you don't have the word of God in your heart. You have nowhere where to take from. You are living on borrowed faith. In other words, you are coming along because friends are coming along here. You need your own faith. Real faith. But be real to God. May this church in Dollar Baptist Church be a church with a difference so that when we hear things out there, we'll say, that church, they practice what they preach. We hear a lot of things. I mean, lots of things. But it's our prayer that God will purify us. That you shred any falseness in his house. Sin has to be confronted, as one man of God says. It has to be forgiven. We need the restoration. In all these things, we need Jesus. For we do not ever really lie to men, but to God. So the story of Ananias and Sapphira teaches us the seriousness of God's call for personal holiness in his church. My prayer is that we will be a church indeed who are serious about God. Serious about him. Real about him. Real to each other. And really, when you say, Bible ni natenga, you have taken the Bible seriously. You are not pretending. There's a lot of pretense. But it's my prayer that we stop pretending as Christians. We'll be real. If we are hating, we are hating. 
If we don't have, we don't have. If we have in abundance, we do. And it's not ours, it's his. It's all his. We'll be serious with God. We'll be serious with him who created us and who called us, who invited us to be, to join his family. We'll be serious with him. We'll be real with him. That's the one we worship. That's the one we want to, you know, to pledge our lives. We have pledged our lives to him that, Lord, whatever I do, I want to live for you. You alone. We don't have 1,000 years in our lives. In fact, the average age in Zambia is 54. Oh, I just passed that. Hallelujah. <laughs> but they're 60, they're 65, they're 70. When I reach 81, if I collapse, don't come to me and start laying hands on me to be healed. 81. Leave me alone. I'm going to be with the Lord. So friends, this is an encouragement for all of us to take God serious. And we look at this story. It's a story for us to be real. Your days to be counted here on earth. That God gave you this and you can show him and say, Lord, this is what you gave me. I have done it, my master. By your grace. Without lying. Without, but being real to him. No love of money. No love of praise from men. No lies. No hypocrisy. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We give you glory for your loving kindness. We thank you, Lord, that uh, because of your grace, we are not consumed. You have so much grace for us. We lie. We covet. We do all kinds of things. And yet, you don't punish us. You show us your grace. I pray that Father will be serious with you. May we be real with you, Lord. May we have a conversation with you. May we repent and follow you to be true disciples of yours. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for your church here at Ndola Baptist Church. You called each and every one of us to be here, not by accident. But, Lord, it's by your divine appointment we are here. And, Lord, we pray that we'll do the things we are supposed to do. Lord, we'll work our job description as Christians to do the things we have called us to do. With purity and reverential fear for you, we thank you, we give you glory. Continue, Lord, leading us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.